Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you all. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Oh, let's just take a moment just to turn our affection back to heaven and fix our eyes on the things above. Jesus, we worship you. We join in with all of heaven, the four living creatures around your throne singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We join with the 24 elders around your throne saying, you're worthy, Lord. We join with the angels, the myriads and myriads of angels, the thousands upon thousands of angels singing, you're worthy, Jesus, ancient of days, glorious Holy Spirit. We join with all of creation that's singing of your goodness and your majesty. And we worship you. We love you. We honor you. We, we just so desire you, Lord. You're our inheritance. You are our reward. Eternity is to spend forever, everlasting to everlasting with you, to know you, to know the Christ, Jesus, our Messiah, to experience you face to face where there's no need for faith because we get to see you. And Lord, even though it's true that we're one with you and that you're always with us, there's a dimension, Lord, in our hearts that we want to see you more and we want to be with you. And we say, Spirit and the bride say, come, Lord Jesus. Come. Come. We invite you. We invite you. We open up our gates. We open up the doors of our hearts. We open up this church. We open up our cities, Lord. We open up the schools and we invite you in. We open up our businesses, Lord, and we invite you in. King of glory, come in. King of glory. The Lord strong and mighty. We welcome you. We honor you. We give you praise. We give you praise. We give you praise. We give you praise. Worthy, 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 worthy are you, Lord. Heaven and earth is full of your glory. You're the majestic king. You're the Lord of all. Father, you're the ancient of days. You sit enthroned in the heavens. You, heaven is your throne and earth is your footstool. You're from everlasting to everlasting. You sit enthroned in the heavens and you do what you please. You're totally free to do whatever you want to do. And we worship you and we love you, Jesus. The Messiah, the God-man. Now, one of us in heaven. 
ruling over all things. Taking the nations back to you. Bringing all nations back. We worship you. And we honor you. We magnify your name. You're the beautiful savior. You're our wisdom. You're our righteousness. You're our freedom. You're our ongoing purity. You're our power. You're the glory and the lifter of our heads. Come on, just take a moment just to worship him. He's so good. He's so good. Just lift up your hearts. Just lift them up. He's majestic and beautiful and holy and magnificent in everything he does. And all of his affection and all of his attention is focused upon us. Not only us, but definitely us. Thank you for your eyes of love and affection that always fixed upon us, Father. Wow. So good. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your presence. You know, we're a people of his presence. That's who we're called to be. We're not a people of of information. We're not a people of just knowledge only. We're a people of revelation. We're a people who've experienced the goodness of God. Doesn't just have a theology of his goodness, but we've experienced his goodness. We're a people that have been invited and drawn back into relationship. That God is a God who's drawn near to us in such a way that we draw near to him. That he's established for us a relationship of honor and joy and life and freedom and abundance. He's established it for us. And I don't know about you, but I'm hungry for more. I'm hungry to experience more of his love and his joy. I'm not satisfied with where I'm at. There's more to experience. There's more. There's more. There's more. There's more. You know, we've been in this, this great season. Two weeks ago, Duncan preached on, from Moses about the tent of meeting and how the, Moses established this tent of grace where, where, we, where Moses would go and he would meet with God face to face. Outside of the legal system of the Aaronic priest and all of that, but he had this tent of meeting where he encountered God. We're a people of his presence. We're a people of encounter. And then last week, David Bradshaw was here and he preached an amazing message on being priests. If you, if you weren't, if you didn't, if you weren't here or you haven't heard it, seen it, watched it online, you can watch it on YouTube or you can get it on our, on our podcast. It is so worth watching because we are first and foremost priests. We're, we're, we're called to worship. We're called to experience. We're, we're called to engage with God and to lavish praise and worship back on him because he's drawn near to us in such a way that he's filled us with so much of his love that all we can do with that love is pour it back on him. And the Holy Spirit's really been speaking to me over the last few weeks out of Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. 
And I want to just take a moment to, 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 to speak on that. If you want to turn to the very beginning, you know, if you're going to start at the beginning, if you're going to start somewhere, it's good to start at the beginning. You know, while you're turning, I just, we've got so much exciting things happening. You know, April, April, I think we're going to call April the season of fire. Not that we have to wait till April, but here's some things. Let me just give you a little taster of what's happening in April. We have um, Chris Vallotton, who's a prophet from Bethel Church in Reading. He's coming. We're having a meeting April the 5th, Thursday night, which you're all welcome to, to experience the fire of God. And to receive from Chris. So we're excited about that. And then the week after we've got the conference. It, unfortunately they just sort of got a little close to each other. We had the opportunity to get Chris. And we weren't going to turn it up, turn it away. Just because of a conference the week after. So we know it makes it busy. But it's sort of something in the Holy Spirit of the April fire. And so in the week after the, the 12th, the 13th, the 14th. We've got Heidi Baker and Roland Baker. We've got Seth Fawcett. And we've got uh, Kristen Williams. Kristen, uh, Heidi and Roland, you don't really need any, invit- uh, any uh, introduction, really. Amazing missionaries, fire carriers, glory carriers, great worshippers, laid down lovers of Jesus. You might not have heard of Seth and Kristen. Seth, they're both from New Zealand. Seth is, um, is a pastor. He's, been, he's really one of the fathers in, uh, in New Zealand. He's, a, he's just carrying the presence and the power of God. He... I haven't had the joy of meeting him. I'm looking forward to him, but he's to meeting him. He's one of the fathers of revival in New Zealand and he's literally stewarded himself for 26 years to carry the presence of God so strongly that he lives in a perpetual state of drunkenness of glory in the Holy Spirit. Let that provoke you. To the point where, you know, he's... He's, he's incredible signs and miracles and wonders following him. He's traveling all over the world. He's leading his church and transforming his city, the city of Wellington, which is the national capital of New Zealand. And, and apparently one Pentecost Sunday, he, there was so much of the glory of God that from the shoulders up, there was just bright light as he spoke. Now we know it's not about the man. We know it's about what he's carrying and the God whom he serves. And this one that he's been stewarding his presence and I am so excited about what God is doing. Can you imagine, all of a sudden, as I'm preaching, you can no longer see my head, you can just hear my voice. Because the glory of the Lord is so thick upon us. And despite his drunken state, very often national city leaders coming and asking for his counsel. And then Kristen is a spiritual son of Seth and one of the amazing evangelists in New Zealand. And then we've got Jay Thomas leading worship. And then, if that wasn't enough, the Lord set us up to have the week after David Wagner. So it's a season of fire. Are you hungry? Yes. Are you hungry? Yes. Are you hungry? Yes. So Genesis chapter 1, the Holy Spirit's been speaking to me. Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. And often we read them consecutively. But actually I want to start in Genesis chapter 2. And then just go backwards into Genesis chapter 1. 
And I want to start in um, verse 8. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed out of Eden to water the garden, and there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is Pishon, or however you pronounce that. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold, and the gold of that land is good, and bedelium, which is a a, a resin that smells beautiful, and onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is Gihon. It is one that flowed around the whole land of Cush. And the name of the third river is the Tigris, which flows east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you shall eat of it, you shall surely die. And then it goes on in verse 18. And the Lord God said, it's not good that man should be alone. And then let's look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 to 28, the creation story, the pinnacle of the creation story, the creation of man. Then God said in verse 26 of Genesis 1, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. What a glorious God. What a beautiful start. What a God of provision. What a God who is just so passionate, who creates us, man and woman, in his image. You know that you're an image bearer. You carry the very image of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And God's passion, God's original purpose, was actually to create a garden in the world that he created. He made for us. He made it for us. Not because he was lacking anything, but because he was just so good. He wanted to express and have people that would experience his love. And he wanted a family on the earth. And so he creates Adam and then he puts Adam in the garden. He plants the garden for him. And then he puts Adam in it. In verse 8, it says he put him in it. In verse 15, it says he put it in it. Put him in it. In verse 15, the word for put it in it, put him in it, actually means to put him in with rest. And so God created this garden for Adam to steward, a garden of plants, of of the living water that's flowing, this place of, of, of glory where the Father walks with Adam in the cool of the day, the intersection between heaven and earth, the kingdom of God upon the earth, Eden. Actually, the word Eden is, it means abundant flowing waters. But in the noun verb form of Eden actually means delight. God's purpose and his plan was to put man in the garden and to say, okay, I'm giving you the rivers, abundant water. I'm putting you in a place of delight where you get to experience it and to explore my goodness, where you experience my provision and it's heaven on earth where you get to walk with me. 
And then God says, but listen, it's not good that you're going to be on your own. I've got a commission for you. My desire and my passion is that actually you would fill the earth with Eden. That the garden that I've planted you would take and you would fill the whole earth with the glory of God. That kingdom of God, the presence of God, the abundant rivers. That you would take that glory and you would fill the earth and you can't do it on your own Adam. So let me give you Eve. It's the only way that Adam could fulfill the commission to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Which was the commission to actually see the whole earth look like the Garden of Eden. Was for God to say, you need someone else. You need a woman. Women, I honour you. That you carry the image of God. That you're an image bearer of God. That actually we as men cannot fulfill God's call and God's commission without you. And so, in every way that we've put you down, we repent. And we call you up into the glory that God has made you to be. And so God's purpose and his plan, would there would be literally in Eden, heaven, on earth, man and woman living together, in communion with God and for man and woman together to be working and to be taking that commission and to be multiplying and to be fruitful and to fill the earth and to create the whole earth as the garden of Eden, the kingdom of God, the place as an intersection of heaven and earth. And of course we know the story in Genesis chapter 3 that man, uh, man completely blew it. Adam and Eve together, they, they, you know, they, they, they just, they take the fruit that they're not meant to eat and they eat it. They had a choice. God had said, I'm putting two trees in the garden. There's the tree of life and there's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Adam, I want you to orient your life, your whole being around that tree of life. But because I want you to walk in love, I'm going to give you a choice. And so you can have the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but just don't eat from it. And Adam decides with Eve based on the shiny one, the serpent, his encouragement decides to eat it and we know the story. But that wasn't God's original intention. God's intention, actually we look in verse 15, um, in verse 15, Adam's principal commission in verse 15 is to, put, is to work the garden and to keep it. The word work actually describes um, one that's you know, generally maybe tilling the soil or other labour. It speaks of serving one another. But it's actually also used in its noun and, it's, and, and, and the verb is actually to donate. Not to donate. What's the word I'm looking for? To describe the Levites' priestly role in taking care of the temple. And the tabernacle. The God's commission to the Levites was, hey, keep the temple, keep the fire going. Keep the temple holy. Keep the temple pure. Serve me in this way. Tend it and keep it. And it's the very same commission that was given to man, to Adam, to be one who's steward and keep his presence and his glory and his fire upon them. But we know that Adam failed He wasn't able to stand firm under temptation. He looked at the tree and he decided that it was good for the wisdom. 
He had access to every tree that was good for food and, and, and a delight to the eyes. But there was this one tree that he saw that was good for food and a delight to the eyes and good for making wisdom. And he ate it and we know that story. So what does God do? He sends another Adam. He sends Jesus. Paul says in 1, in two, in 1 Corinthians 15, he describes Jesus as the last Adam. He sends another Adam. What for? For the purpose of reclaiming his Eden. For the purpose of establishing his kingdom upon the earth. For the purpose of the whole earth being filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. The commission of Adam was to be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. He blew it. No longer fully carrying the image of God. So what does God do? He sends Jesus who Hebrews 1 says he's the exact representation and the perfect image of the Father. And he sends Jesus and he says, and Jesus comes. What's his first proclamation when he comes? Is The kingdom of God is here. I've come to restore Eden. I've come to restore the glory of God to the earth. I've come to rescue people that were designed originally for me, for my purposes and my glory. I've come to rescue them out of the dominion of darkness and bring them into the kingdom of the beloved son. I've come to, to uh, you know, he came in perfect obedience, living to the Father, living in victory, living over the enemy, bringing defeat to the enemy, walk, walking in his glory and manifesting the glory of God all over the region where he was, he, you know, he lived and moved and he defeated the enemy on the cross. And the purpose of Jesus was to come to fulfill the great commission to Adam, which was to have all of the earth look like heaven. All of earth look like heaven for the whole earth to be filled, not just with the glory of God, but with the knowledge of the glory of God for them to know for the whole world, you and I to know how glorious and how wonderful God is, not because we hear about him, but because we get to see what he's doing as well. Now, just like Adam, Jesus needed an Eve. And so on the cross, you know, in, in the story of Adam, there's this moment where God puts Adam to sleep and from his ribs, he takes Eve and he fashions her. On the cross, there's this moment where Jesus is hanging on the cross and they spew a spear, a spear into his side and blood and water comes out. And there in the moment, God taking out of Jesus's ribs, the church, the Eve, the bride to stand with him, so he could be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. That's your commission. Do you know that? That's your commission with the bridegroom, with Jesus. Our commission is that the whole earth would be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, just like the waters cover the sea. And you and I have been brought into that very purpose. That's your commission. That's God's original intention that he's reestablished in Christ Jesus for you and I, that Durham, Raleigh, Chapel Hill, Apex would know the glory of God. His love and his passion, his beauty and his grace. That, he would, that the whole region and the whole world would know because of you. Because of me. Because of God in us. And that's the thing. That was the thing that God, when he, he you know, he, I knew he always knew this plan. But the reality of, uh, of Eden was it, God knew that with just us and our own devices, we would never make the right choice. So he's come, part of the mission of Jesus is to come and to make us one with him and to bring us into his glory and his kingdom and to fill us with the Holy Spirit so that it's not God in the cool of the day walking with us every now and again, but it's God on the inside. That the only way that God knew that the only way that he could fulfill that commission was to do it himself by filling us 
with his glory and his goodness. And so you carry the glory of Eden. You carry the glory of the kingdom of God. And your mission, whether you know it or not, is that the whole earth would be filled with the glory of God, that Eden would be across the whole world. That you're charged and filled with the life and the glory of heaven, fulfilling the mandate, the commission to Adam. Now the commission to Christ. So what does Jesus say when he is ascending? Matthew 28, he says, go into all the world and make disciples. Fill it. Fill the nations with my goodness and my glory. Fill the nations with the knowledge of me. Fill the nations with the abundance of heaven. But what the Holy Spirit's been speaking to me about then out of that is... Murray, you have to tend Eden. You, you have to tend Eden before you can see Eden fill the whole earth. What does that mean? That means I have to steward the glory of God and the kingdom of God on the inside and seek first the kingdom of God in my own life and in my own experience and on the, in, in the secret place of my life. I have to steward that first. I have to tend to Eden. I have to tend to God's presence. I have to live. I don't have to, but my choice is to live with my whole life oriented around the life, the tree of life. My whole life oriented around the glory of the Holy Spirit and the power of the cross and the resurrection life. Tend Eden. We can't tend Eden. We can't be fruitful and fill the earth and multiply unless we first and foremost look after what God has given us. And God given, you know, just, it's so fascinating. It says that God placed Adam in the garden. Each one of us have been placed into Christ. Each one of us now, God has created a place, a garden in our lives, a place to experience his joy and his goodness. And actually that, his purpose and his plan in that garden is for that garden in us to actually start to overflow and to well up around everyone else and for the transformation of the world that the whole earth would be filled with the kingdom of God, the knowledge of his glory. Right? Yes? But we have to steward what God's given us. We have to steward the Eden inside. His presence, his love, his joy, his freedom, his peace. A place of abundant waters. I love that phrase. Eden means the place of abundant waters. And it's interesting that there's four rivers that were in Eden. Four rivers, the Pishon, the Gihon, the Tigris, the Euphrates, four rivers flowing. Actually, is one river flowing and then it goes into four rivers. The kingdom of God on the inside of us is a river. It's a river that's flowing out from us. Jesus said in John 7, 37, Come to me, all who are thirsty, and I will give you rest. Drink from me. And out of his innermost being, as the scriptures have said, will flow rivers of living water. The rivers of the Holy Spirit, the life of heaven, the joy of the kingdom of God on the inside of us. John 4, Jesus says, whoever, if I've got living water for you. If you drink this living water, it's going to flow up on the inside of you, a wellspring of eternal life. There's the river that's flowing in the inside of us. How are we tending Eden? 
How are we taking care of what God's given us? How are we seeking first his kingdom in us? Because it's great to be kings and we're called to be kings and we're called to rule over the earth and we're called to fill the earth with his glory. But if we're not filled with his glory first and foremost, we've got nothing to give. And so I love how over the last couple of weeks, God's just been reaffirming to us, listen, don't forget about my presence. Don't forget, and we're thinking forward into April, don't forget about the fire and the glory. You're a people of presence. You're the people of encounter. Now, encounter's a funny thing because you can't manufacture it. All you can do is position yourself for it. It's to tend the garden. Tend the garden. Okay, well, so that's very ethereal. What does that actually mean? Right, for me, what does it mean to, to work and to keep the garden, the place? To, you know, in a sense, it's a call to steward our relationship with Jesus, not just corporately, but individually. Steward your relationship with Jesus. Focus on him. Enjoy him. As David said last week, fix your eyes upon him. Enjoy and experience sweet fellowship and communion with him. He's God on the inside of us. He's not God over there, far off in a distance. He's God on the inside of you. You In the moment, in the busyness of life, all you need to do, and I need to do, is take a moment to step back in, fix my eyes, because he's a wellspring of life that's flowing on the inside of us. And just to keep feasting and feasting and feasting. And so is this place, what does your place of Eden look like? You know, I know listening to David last week, it's not, it's not possible for all of us to spend our entire days just in praise and worship and, you know, in the prayer room. Because some, you know, we have jobs to do. Yeah, we have bills to pay. We've got things to go out and do. But what does it look like to carry Eden on the inside of us? What does it look like to have a secret place in God that is actually just there all the time between he and I? And find time for that, to prioritize that. I want to charge you, guys, be hungry in the secret place. Be hungry in the interior life. Uh, find time during the day to seek his face and to worship him. Well, I know we're not all called to devote hours and hours to prayer, but build that secret place. I remember when I was in Australia, I was working for a company called KPMG, sometimes working up to 80 hours a week. It's pretty tiring. I know there's many of us here that work very long hours and you think, how on earth could that be possible? You know, I don't have all the time in the world. I've got young kids. I've got life is difficult. There's pressures coming every single dimension. It's okay for you. You work for a church. There's pressures coming at me as well. I have to prioritize the secret place like you. And I, for me, when I was at KPMG, I had an hour's bus ride. And so I would read the my Bible and soak on the bus. That's an interesting topic, start conversation starters sometimes. In my lunch hour, just take 20 minutes to just go find a turn aside, sit. I happen to live by um, Sydney Harbour, so I could sit looking over the water and dream, you know. Not quite the same here. But take some moment, just, just take some time out, just take even just in the middle of my busyness to tune into the flow, to build the Eden, to receive the kingdom of God, to drink of the living water. I used to, you know, I think that uh, John 4, Jesus says, if anyone, you know, if you drink, it's going to become a wellspring of life. I used to think it was a once and done. Salvation, I've drunk it, now it's eternal life. But actually, I think there's a place to just keep drinking. Just to keep experiencing his presence because we're a people of his presence. A place of worship. 
just to turn our affection and our gaze to him, just to say, Jesus, we love you. Holy Spirit, you're glorious. Father, you're amazing. It just from in a place of a, just personal corporate, uh, sorry, personal space to experience and to encounter the goodness of God. His passion is that we're fruitful. His passion is that on the inside of us, we experience the bubbling flow of the river of God and the life of heaven. Being in the word, just devoting ourselves to the word, devoting ourselves to his presence, devoting ourselves to just experiencing him. As I said with them, you know, we all need encounters with God. Encounters change everything. But you can't manufacture an encounter. All you can do is position yourself for an encounter. The invitation to, to, um, from Jesus with, with Peter, James and John was, hey guys, come up the mountain with me. He walks up the mountain. You know, can you imagine Peter walking behind Jesus? All you can see is Jesus' backside for like four, you know, 10 hours as he's walking up the hill. Where am I going? Trudge, trudge, trudge. Sometimes it feels like it's a push. But then he gets there and all of a sudden, the three of them, there's the glory of God falls upon them. Moses and Elijah are there. Jesus is transfigured and they have an encounter with God. They couldn't make it happen, but they said yes. And they went with Jesus. And they walked with him. And they got in his presence. And they experienced the glory of God. You know that you've been in design. Your purpose is to encounter God and to live in his presence and his goodness. To live in his glory. Not just like a theological glory, but an actual experiential glory. Where you look at him and you go, wow! I'm undone in your goodness, God. Guys, let's not play church. Let's not have nice meetings where we get to say, oh, wasn't that a great, oh, the worship team did really well today. They got some good harmonies. And oh, I quite like their song choice. Although that last song, I don't, you know, whatever. That's not a, no comment on today. I love today. But it's so easy that we just get into that kind of rhythm and that rhyme. This is just life. There's, you know, there's too much at stake. God's passion and his desire is that the whole earth would be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. We achieve that together when we experience his presence. When we encounter him, when we prioritize above all else, worship. And obviously when I say worship, I'm not just talking about singing. Worship is a lifestyle of obedience. Worship is saying no to sin and yes to righteousness. Worship is... I'm turning off the TV. Worship is, I'm not having a glass of wine because I want to just press into the Holy Spirit. Worship is lifestyle of encounter and positioning ourselves for him, to serve him and to love him, to tend the garden, to to serve him and pour out our love on him. And what I love about someone like David or, or, you know, last week, or, you know, even if you look at Heidi and Roland, or you look at, you know, other great men and women of heroes of the faith, and you can look at it and you can say, actually, we're focused so much on the presence of God that it becomes like we're a waste of time. But the thing about the presence of God is when he overwhelms us, we get filled with his love and his glory and his goodness. What comes out of us bursts forth life. 
And, and, and okay, we don't, we, you know, I know there's a mission and there's a commission and there's a call to fill the earth. And I know we're kings and priests and you know, we're kings and we're, we're called to steward God and the earth. But there's this dimension of life on the inside of us that we have to steward and tend or else we actually don't get to see the fulfillment of the other things. It's his purpose and his passion. And so what else does that look like for me? Well, for me, that's like, Lord, if there's anything that's in the way that's stopping me from achieving what you've called me to be, I want to move it out of the way. Well, uh, Hebrews 12, it says in verse 1 and 2, it says, Since then we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Since all of heaven saying, yes, come on, the kingdom of God is here. Yes, come on, you've been enlisted into the army. Yes, come on, let the earth be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Be people of faith. He says, well, let's throw off the sin that clings so closely and the ties that bind us. One of the things why we put the immersion weekend on this coming weekend is that we actually get to deal with some of the issues of life. We get to deal with the matters of the heart to see our minds transform. We get to get rid of some demons. Yes, you might have some demons. Right? To experience the life of heaven and to get rid of everything that's holding us back, everything that's causing us to live short of the glory of God, everything that's causing us to live short of Eden, the kingdom of God, God in us. Right? And so that's why we put on those kind of weekends. If you haven't been to an immersion weekend, I highly recommend you going because it's an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to encounter you and you may never be the same again. Keep drinking, keep drinking, keep drinking, keep experiencing the Holy Spirit, keep experiencing his life. You know the four rivers in Eden, or that come out of that one river in Eden, Pishon means increase. The Lord wants to bring about increase. He wants you to be fully flowing. The word Gihon is a bursting forth, it's a gushing, it's that thing that doesn't hold it to itself, but bursts forth and out. The Holy Spirit wants to bring you increase, he wants to be fully flowing within you, and as he's fully flowing on the inside of you, he wants to burst out and gush all over the people that are around you. The word that the Tigris is rapid, swift, darting, roaring, noisy. Noisy. The Holy Spirit makes us noisy. What happens at Pentecost when in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit falls, what happens is there's a bunch of noise. They're speaking in tongues. They come out and you know, there's this great thing that happens. And there's so much in that we could look at, but we haven't got time. But it means a roaring. You know that the Holy Spirit on the inside of you wants to roar. And then the final one, the Euphrates, actually means fruitfulness, sweet or fruitful. Who wants to be full flowing? Who wants to be bursting forth? Who wants to be noisy? Who wants to be fruitful? Who wants that? Cultivate the river of God. Cultivate his presence. Allow him to deal with your heart. Worship Fix your eyes upon him. Tend your relationship with him. Don't let anything get in the way. Because maximum fruitfulness comes out of intimacy.
Speak in tongues as much as you possibly can. Why? Well, Jude says it builds up our faith. I also think it just reminds the devil that he's defeated. Because in Genesis chapter 11, the Babel and the tower, the, the, the ancient people build a tower and God says, you know, this isn't going to be good. I'm going to confuse them. So he sends different languages and they all get split up and they get spread apart. And, and he actually puts different things in different gods, if you like, rulers in charge of the people. But then when the day of Pentecost comes, what happens? Everything that was divided now becomes back to one. Language that was confused, now they all hear. This is God speaking to us in our own language. It's a great reversal of, of, of Babel. It's a, signif- a signal that Eden is coming across the whole earth. And so I like to speak in tongues, not just because it builds me up, because I remind the devil that he's defeated. Because I remind him that his destiny is that his purpose and his plan was failed because God is the great reverser and the unifier of all things. And there's going to be a day when there's in heaven, there's every tribe and nation and language and people and tongue praising God. So I'm starting now in my own tongue. Come on. Father's passion, Jesus paid for that the whole earth would be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God, that your workplace would be like heaven on earth, that, your, that our schools would be like heaven on earth, that the wisdom and the strategy of heaven would be released to bring about the reconciliation that Jesus has already won for us of things in heaven and on earth being united, healing flowing, wisdom flowing, joy flowing, prosperity flowing, relationships flowing, the great reversal. But it comes as we steward the Eden on the inside of us. How's your Eden? Let's stand. It's really just a, my message today, in case you hadn't worked out, was an exaltation to stay hungry and keep drinking. Steward the life of God on the inside of you. Steward the garden that God has planted and invited you into a relationship with him. Don't let weeds grow up. Deal with attitudes of the heart before you go to bed at night. Take a moment just to repent of the, from, and ask the Holy Spirit to forgive you from any weeds that have come up. Allow Him to pull out the weeds in your life. Walk in humility. Don't hold on to things that you, that you, just, you know are yours. No, let them go. Because He has a garden that He's planted for you. And so I just want to take a moment. I want you to respond if you want to. Just say yes to the Holy Spirit and ask Him for help. Ask Him for help. His 
presence on the inside of us. His purpose is the tree of life to empower us to say yes to him and to say no to sin. So just take a moment then just to say, Lord, I need your help. Holy Spirit, I welcome you. Welcome the Holy Spirit in your life again. Welcome him. Welcome him. And then just start to thank him for the life of heaven on the inside of you. You have the life of heaven. You have been filled with the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Just start to thank him for the life of heaven on the inside of you. To fix your eyes on that wellspring of life that's flowing up on the inside. The rivers of living water that are bringing life to you. Just say thank you. Worship him. Honour him. You have everything that you need and yet you want more. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. We fling wide the gates of our hearts. We fling wide our agenda, our time, our energy, our resources, our relationships, our finances. Lord, we fling wide and we say, Lord, come on in. Come in fully. Have your way amongst us. Just take a moment if you want to, just to offer up your life again. To stoke the fire, to keep the relationship, to keep intimacy. To enjoy his presence.